The Monday Rewind. There's a lot of talking and he was trying to get into my head, trying to get into his head. It was just, but I, I respect him. He stepped up. He showed up. You know, you have to respect that. So I have respect for him. He came to fight and we, we fought. I feel like I thought I, defensively we looked really, really strong. I just think coming out of defence maybe, and um, you know, in terms of an attacking shed, obviously, we, you know, Parig Mar cleared an amount of ball for us, and we were just, you know, we were getting mixed messages. And I thought we showed a small bit of inexperience in the second half more than anything. You know, I think it's. I think it's important we all probably learn from it, you know. We had a good chat about it there for a couple of minutes. Um, the Westmead supporters have been very loyal to us and they came in huge numbers there today. And um, they showed us, you know, at the very end there how proud of the team they were. So we owe it to them to go and put a big performance in the next day. When I finished the last point, obviously I, I took out everything that was in me and um, I still... Uh, Obviously, don't realize that um, you know what kind of achievement it is, and it's a great achievement. You know, even though it's a third title here, every time it feels like first. This is the rewind. Hope all is well. Raffaello in for Oshin. In there, you heard from Munster Championship winning manager Aimee O'Shea, along with Waterford captain Noel McGrath on their upcoming quarterfinal with Dublin. And also there was Westmead football manager Tom Cribben on how they can bounce back from the Leinster final defeat in football. As well as that, there was Novak Djokovic on beating Roger Federer in the Wimbledon final and Conor McGregor on his knockout of Mendes in Las Vegas. We'll have more on all of that later, including analysis from Vegas and all of the weekend's GA. Plus we look ahead to next week's Connacht and Ulster finals. The draw for the next round of football qualifiers was made today and we'll see Galway host Derry, Tipperary host Tyrone, Kildare welcome Cork or Kerry and Westmead meet for Mana. First up it's the Munster hurling final and the Premier's 21 points to 16 win and Oshin spoke to those centrally involved starting with Waterford manager Derek McGrath. I don't think it was one that got away from us. I don't think we can be as, as uh, generous to say that it was one that got away from us. I think it was obviously extremely tactical battle. If you like. I think the first 10-15 minutes, I think Tip just looked a bit more fluid. It's probably looked a bit more fluid all day than us, but um, I think it was 7-3 at one stage. But I thought we got a real grip in it in the middle part of the first half, and we looked like we were able to grind it out. So a uh, much vaunted system, if you like, was kind of seen to be up and running, if you like, and um, we're disappointed to win a point down at half time, but um, we could have no real qualms overall, I think Tip were a slightly better team than us, you know. Did the Wides start to seep away at the confidence sink in, in that second half? Uh, no, I don't think, I don't think Wides, you know, I don't think so, I don't think so with this particular group, I don't think, you know, in terms of confidence drops, or it's just the way, the, the, the nature of the game, the way it was going, if you like, I thought I, defensively we looked really, really strong, I just think coming out of defence maybe... And, you know, in terms of an attacking shed, obviously, we, you know, Paulie Gmar cleared an amount of ball for us and we were just, you know, we were getting mixed messages and I thought we showed a small bit of inexperience in the second half more than anything, you know, I think it's, I think it's important we all probably learn from it, you know. The frustrating thing is that you did have the chances to maybe one or two occasions took the wrong option. Yeah, I think it is, but I think you're, you're, you're very hard to simulate that kind of stuff in training, but you, when it's in the white hot heat of a kind of a monster championship, it's a little bit different. And you, look, we're, we're playing against quality players, I think... Uh, I think when you know when 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 Lara and and when you know when Bubbles and them they got their chances they were probably a little bit more clinical but I think that comes with a quality and b experience so that's you know we've no as I said we've no real issues with it I think we have to be you know we have to learn to be gracious in 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 defeat as well because I think our lads' effort was total so when a, when a team gives a total effort all you're not trying to establish glory in defeat but there's a certain sense of not satisfaction but a certain sense of you know there's, there's no shame I don't think in the defeat you know Dublin next up your match sharp I suppose going into that because it's a tight turnaround you to wait a long while for this game yeah Dublin next tonight look, look we played Dublin in challenge match in, in Nolan Park last Thursday week and they ran through it was like we, were, we weren't even there and I think Dublin will fancy playing us like, let's be honest you know what I mean coming back on the back of a defeat if you like and I think I think look, people may get a, may, may get a kind of an idea where where the overall of, overall balance is in terms of, of of where the teams lie now at this stage. But look, we're very positive heading into the All Ireland series. Where I think we learn a huge amount from today. I think the lads will learn from the whole experience of it. I know that sounds a bit over the top, but we, we feel they will learn. You know, first competitive defeat of the year. Is it about how you bounce back? Is it about maybe reacting to that? Can it be in some ways okay? It's a bad thing today, but can it be turned into a good thing? Yeah, and I think if you just can't, if you kind of contrast it with the defeats last year in Clare and Kilkenny, where they were absolute hammerings, I think the psychological impact of those undoubtedly had effect on, on the lads so 
I don't think there's, as I said, I don't think there's huge shame or you know, psychological scars from this particular defeat. I think there was two teams just giving it everything they had in a, in a, in a cauldron there. So we're hoping to bounce back, but you can never guarantee you can bounce back until you know you're here in two weeks and you're talking about having a victory or a, or a defeat. So I'm not one for kind of making bold statements in terms of where we'll be afterwards, but. We'll be giving it our best, and the lads in there are very. We'll recover straight away now, to, you know, and the boys have a massive game on, on Wednesday night. Have together 21, so, you know, I think we're not in a bad place, you know. Eamon, congratulations. Uh, I suppose your team took the opportunities and stayed at the task, and you're Munster champions. Yeah, yeah, they think that about sums it up, you know, this absorbing game from where I was on the sideline. Uh, excuse me. Uh, I thought it was two heavy, heavyweights going at each other, pint for pint, you know, we had periods and they had periods, and. So that we stayed in the game and we said we'd stay in the game. You know, we reset at half time and I just felt whatever happened we'd keep going. How different a challenge was this Waterford team and how did you manage that? Because I suppose, you know, goal opportunities against a team that set up like they do were always going to be fairly infrequent. Yeah, yeah, and thought we started well and once we tried to keep the ball open, you know, in the second half when we tried I thought we did better, even though we didn't take all our chances and we tried to move the ball, you know, and uh no, they're a really good side, you know, they're, they're going to be serious contenders, even maybe this year. They're going to be serious contenders to have a really good young, young, young squad, you know. What about yourselves? You've been serious contenders the last couple of years. How important was silverware for this team? Yeah, yes, it is important, you know. Probably I don't always feel the silverware is as important as made out on the outside, but it is important, you know, I thought it's important that we stayed true to what we believed in, in the game, and uh, stayed at the game, and, uh, you know, they're a resilient bunch, you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, we've been through a fair bit, you know, and with nine debutants and monster final debutants, you know, sometimes people think that we were gone since, you know, the year 2000, you know, with nine people who played the first monster final there, you know, and, uh, uh, but that's, that's, that's a good... No, I think that's good, you know, <laughs> I think to have that transition, you know, and we lost some fantastic players, you know, we just had Owen Kelly up there, you know, and, you know, he was such a, he was such a player for Tip over the years, we lost him, we lost Brendan, you know, Cummins, John O'Brien, you know, we, and I thought the players, even when things weren't going well for them today, you know, um, Seamus, I thought, really battled for a ball, he was battling back there for a ball, and that to me is as important as, you know, a goal hitting the net, you know, and, I just thought we did things that we've been doing, you know, and, uh, you know, I don't know what it felt like. Maybe a five-point win doesn't, maybe maybe the people who watch the game don't call that a good game, or sorry, a close game, but for me it was as close as you get. You know, it was it was that close. I didn't relax until the last the last minute of play. So, you know, we've been through close games. Sometimes we come out the, the wrong side of them, you know, but you have to be careful judging a team just because they come on the wrong side of a pint or two, you know, and... Uh, I, I, I was always happy that the team would be uh, would be capable of winning a t- tight match, and today was a really tight match. Two two good teams. Noel Connors, a five point loss. What do you put it down to? Um, I suppose it's very difficult to kind of get your head around at it, to get your head around at the moment because it's so raw and, and it's 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 so it's so close to finishing, you know. So it's very hard to kind of justify what happened or, or why we got bit by five points and, and everything else. But uh, look, it was it was just kind of. I suppose a small bit of experience on Tipperary's um, behalf and just the ability I suppose they have over the last few years to go in their wins, you know, and it's, it's something that we're, we're aiming towards, you know, and we're building upon. And, and look, I don't think anyone put their heads down regardless of what time of the game it was, you know, and everyone is well aware of what Tip are and they're probably the best, if not the second best between the teams, we've seen ourselves in the Kenny, the best two teams in the country. So we knew that coming up here was a massive task. Right, the negative is he lost. The positive is he did create the opportunities. He had the opportunities. I suppose it's about being able to convert them. Yeah, absolutely. It's probably more so about taking the opportunities and taking the correct opportunities more so than anything else at times I suppose we were a bit naive in, in some instance you know shooting for scores that were probably pass, passes back or pops into the centre or something like that but look that comes with, with games you can see Tipperary were, were well experienced in that in that instance you know and they, they probably learned so many years going to Crow Park you know on the last Sunday in September so they have an abundance and you know it's something that, that we are looking forward to learning more so You're a very young team was today a big learning experience I know primarily you wanted to win and you could have won it and that's massively disappointing that it wasn't one but you're a young team and now you have an extra game along the road if you can use it that way it's against Dublin you'll be favourites or they'll be favourites who knows but look you're still in it and I suppose you can learn yeah absolutely look uh, 
I suppose when you're coming up here to, to sorry, the, the home of the, the home of Dunbar, Dun, Dun, probably the best, as I said, or the, the second best, whatever way you want to look at it. You know, it depends on where you're from, I suppose. Really. But uh, you're coming up here to uh, to play, uh, I suppose, in their home ground as well. You know, that probably gives them a small bit of uh, incentive as well to kick on and, and really grind it out. You know, and it probably gave them more motivation than anything else. But uh, no, look, I think we, it's it's a, it's a learning process for us. You know, and Derek has probably alluded to it quite a bit in the last few last few months. And I suppose since we started this year, it's the fact that we're kind of building a team and we're a very young team, you know, but I suppose it's not to take away from the fact that we always aim to grind out things and, and we have been in the past, past few games, you know, but unfortunately enough it just didn't happen and we were probably not even some instances, as I said already. Thanks, Hope. No problem at all. James Woodlock, Munster champion once again. How does that feel? Ah, uh, yeah, so it's a long time coming and I suppose we haven't won one for a couple of years, so it's great to have one, especially in our own backyard, you know, and uh, I suppose those question marks over for throughout the year, throughout the league, and I think we answered them again today, you know. Was there pressure on you coming into this game? Did, did you feel you had to win it? I know publicly, you know, you kept the head down and said, look, it's just another game, but was this one that Tip had to get? You had to, first of all, win a big game in Thurles, and second of all, win silverware. I don't think so. I think we won a big game again Limerick, you know, and, uh, you know, coming in today, we just focus on ourselves. And, you know, we obviously focus on Watford as well. They turned us over in the league, and they were impressive then in the first round of the Munster Championship. So, look, we came in today on a no-lose with a job to do, and I think we worked hard for the last three weeks. It wasn't the prettiest game of hurling by any matter means but we won and that's all it counted at the end of the day. It was frantic out there it certainly looked like that from the sideline anyway can you explain to me what it's like to be involved in a game like that where there was so much breaking ball around the middle and it was all about who could take the breaks and win those breaks and he won I would say more of them and that's maybe the difference in the end. Ah yeah it was absolute mayhem that's what it was you know between the two 45s it's so crowded but we expected that coming in and we just said stick to the game plan stick to it and it opened up in the last five minutes for us to give us a chance to pull away with a few scores you know. What was the game plan? <laughs> to beat Watford and be much champions in our own backyard and we did you know we did was it to use the ball well because if you give it away against Waterford you're effectively inviting them onto you the way they were yeah to use the ball well in early delivery I suppose that we'd, we, we'd have probably said you know might win the game for us but out there today you know Waterford tried broke us down so many times as well you know so I think it just opened up in the last few minutes where we got a few scores that's all but I think we worked hard all through you know and we had worked on that and I think it stood to us at the end of the day it's a bit of a double edged sword isn't it because you're Munster champions but it means you have a very long way to the All-Ireland semi-final so I suppose it's a good thing and it's a bad thing yeah but I think the county board has said that they're going to roll off a lot of club championships now and that will keep us fresh and look we had the same thing from the Watford uh, semi-final we got knocked out you know we, we had a long long break in the Limerick game and that's how we occupied our time by internal games and club games and I think we'll probably do the same thing now and just before I let you go because you're eager to get back to the dressing room and who would blame you does this mean more to you considering the injury troubles you've had in the last couple of years considering where you were to where you are now yeah I know look every day look I, I walk out and just and try and win like in last year you know we didn't get any silverware but we had a really long campaign and uh, that's just the way it is I'm just delighted to have another Munster final to add to the couple more that I have and that's just the way it is James well done this is the rewind and in there you heard from Tipperary midfielder James Woodlock along with manager Eamon O'Shea as well as Waterford boss Derek McGrath and captain Noel Connors still to come we're in Las Vegas to talk Conor McGregor and Carl Pendred and we hear from Kieran McGinney and Kevin Walsh First up, it's reaction to Saturday night's qualifier, and after Dublin's 117 to 116 win over Limerick, Dave McIntyre caught up with both managers, starting with TJ Ryan. TJ, I appreciate you coming out. I know it's not easy to talk after a defeat like that, a gut wrenching as it was. I mean, what what are your thoughts overall? One point defeat? Yeah, major disappointing. Major disappointing. Like I said, I said um, I thought we'd hold well in the first half. We put ourselves into a good position. Do you know, but we didn't finish the game off, and we missed a few chances before half time. We could have been more in front and. You know, in fairness, Dublin they came out and said play well in the second half, but just very disappointed. It was the start you would have been hoping for. I mean, I don't think Dublin won a 50-50 ball for the first 15 minutes. Would you think it was the furry of wise that maybe you might look back on that? You could have had Dublin killed off, leading by eight, seven or eight poor wides, poor decision making. That could have been the end of the game, really. Yeah, it probably should have been. I, mean, I think when we look back and you know, when you see some of those wides, I mean, we could have really piled on more pressure. And you know, that's just the way it is. And unfortunately, we're going to live through them. When a team gets a run on you, no matter who it is, it's always difficult to stop, isn't it? I think that eight points without reply either side of half time. Yeah, do you know what I'm saying? They started the second half very well. They got themselves in a good position. And then I suppose the goal came for them, which was obviously a tonic that they wanted. And, you know, but in fairness, off we got ourselves back into it and stuff. And, I mean, even there, right to the finish, we're still hoping to get that equaliser and live to fight another day. How do you look back on this year's championship from a Limerick point of view? Big win against Clare, probably only hurled for about 15 or 20 minutes against Tip, and then the disappointment of today. Yeah, disappointing result now tonight, kind of caps it all off. I mean, we know the championship, that's it, no way to look back and just 
just poor. Said our standards are fairly high. Kind of maybe didn't hit the heights of last year, but just very disappointed now. And you come back for another go at it? Ash, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what the dust settles and see what the week brings and have a go and see, we'll, see what happens. Thanks for talking to you. Midway through that first half, things were looking pretty bleak for you, for your players and for Dublin summer. And here you stand now in the All-Ireland quarter-final. That's some turnaround. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair summary, Dave. I think, you know, uh, we were we we're kind of... Um, I say panicking this moment, but disappointed with the game started. We were, we you know, we were slow to play ourselves into the game. We had a couple of chances. I think Trollier had a few that he put wide, and I think you need a couple of scores to just play yourself and set yourself into the game. But um, again, when I got the goal, like it was looking as if we were in serious trouble. But a couple of scores, I think, before half time, um, really made a difference. I think we changed our setup, we changed our formation, and it gave us a chance to get a couple of scores. And four at half time was. Probably wasn't a, maybe a fair reflection of the first half, uh, you know, and we were happy enough. To be you, did you feel blessed to be still in the game yeah, at time, given that Limerick were eight up and yeah. a whole host of yeah. wides from them? You guys probably should have been gone dead Absolutely. and buried. Yeah, no, no, they, 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 they did nine wides in the first half. You know, if they got two or three more of those, we were really chasing a big lead. But uh, you know, we've been we've been down a few times during the year, um, and I'm just absolutely delighted the way the lads dug it out and showed absolutely brilliant character in the second half. Questions have been asked before, and um, you know, you know hopefully we'll be asked again, no doubt. But to, to go, you know, to be four down and come back and show, and show great character to win the game. Can you talk us through that first 15 to 20 minutes? You, you, Dublin actually got onto a good bit of ball, but the delivery was high. It was certainly looked aimless, and it didn't appear to play to the strengths of the guys you had in there. I mean, was that your intention, or was it something that the players just maybe weren't carrying out the instructions? I mean, clearly things improved dramatically. Yeah, no, no. I guess halftime gave us a chance to talk to them. But what happened in the first half? We weren't happy with the delivery of the ball going in. It wasn't what we wanted, um, you know. So we uh, spoke to them about it, and you know, I think they knew themselves that some of the ball, some of the clearances going in in the second half weren't what they should have been. You know, they, we need to get better ball in for forward. I think we did it better in the second half. We kind of were more composed on the ball, and we got better deliveries in. At halftime, what was the message? The message really, you know, was again, you know, we were, we've trained for nine months. It was 35 minutes to. To be staying in the championship, if you want it, you know it's, it's a it's championship. It's knockout, and that mindset is maybe hard to get at times. And you always have that back door. So now it's championship hurling, and you know I think the lads responded really, really well in the second half. And I suppose it helps any manager, a lucky manager maybe, when you've got someone that catches fire like Paul Ryan out there today. Twelve points. Some of them were beyond ridiculous from the right hand side. Six for play. I mean, just an incredible performance for a man who couldn't get into the team a month ago. Yeah, yeah. No, Paul Ryan has been has been has been a phenomenal servant to Dublin hurling. But you know I think. People saw today the ability that Paul Ryan has. I think we've seen it patches over the over the years. Phenomenal skill, you know, phenomenal striker. When he's on his game, you know, he's as good as anyone that's around. Like you know, so just uh, delighted for him. Some turnover, six from play and six from freeze. Like is is great scoring. I guess Dublin were in the headlines earlier in the week, losing Michael Carden, and it was a big blow. Some of his experience walking away. Was that just his own personal decision, or did you did you worry that it might in some way affect other members of your panel? Yeah, it was it was Michael's own personal decision. Yeah, um, again, you know these things can can work either way for you. Um, you know, I think the lad only was concerned. It was disappointing to see Mikey go, but uh, obviously, the 25 fellas that were left in the dressing room and the fellas that were there, that was my focus for the week. Is the door still open to Michael? No, I think Mikey has has has. has uh, we had a conversation uh, last week. I think Mikey's moved on. Okay, and what about an All Ireland quarter final? I mean, that would have been the target at the start of the season, at least, to get back into the All Ireland series. You guys can sit back now and wait for, wait for a day, another return trip to Thurles, and I guess it's it's almost bonus territory now. This is a huge game coming up. If you can replicate that second half performance, yeah, you know, a lot of people have said it's bonus territory. I, I don't see it as that. I think, uh, you know, I think anyone going, anyone training at this level, you know, train for one purpose, train to be there in the big days and train, and train to win all Ireland. And uh, I think that's a huge thing, and that's our target. You know, it's not bonus territory. We're in the quarter final. Take one game at a time. And finally, Jer, when you have a performance like that in the last 25 minutes, in particular, under a new management team, does every manager need that little bit of a spell just to ensure that the players buy into what you're doing? That that for things to really continue to improve, that it's those sort of times in games that the players and the managers suddenly come together and buy in together. Yeah, it's been you know it's been it's been a great it's been a great six or seven months since I got the know lads. It takes time, and hopefully, match like today will 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 cement that relationship even more. Congratulations. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Thanks, Jer. This is the Rewind on News Talk, and that was Jer Cunningham and TJ Ryan. Later in the evening, Cork overcame Clare, and afterwards, Banner boss Davy Fitzgerald says he didn't want to rush into any decisions regarding his future. Cork go on to meet Galway in the All Ireland quarterfinals, while Waterford face Dublin. Both games pl- take place on July 26th. 
In football, Dublin are Leinster champions for the 10th time in 11 years after a 2-13-6 points win over Westmead in Croke Park. But first, Maroons boss Tom Cribben spoke to Dave McIntyre. I was very happy with the game plan in the first half. Um, John Heslin came into the game with a badly bruised heel and injury and, um, you, you know, um, probably wasn't at his 100% best, but through no fault of his own. Um, I just felt his free-taking ability and different things, I couldn't go without him. And um, just on the big day, you need all your big players. And then just in the warm-up before the game, John Cannellan pulled a hamstring and... I just, oh, just was a couple of things went against us there, but no excuses for that. The lads, I was very happy with the game plan. I felt at half time we were, the way that I could try and rob it on the, was there to be done, and that was I knew we needed big men in the second half in their goals to get a goal or two. I knew also we couldn't concede goals. If we didn't concede goals, we knew with a chance. We weren't going to try and kick 16 or 17 scores against 16 or 17 or 18. We just knew we had to keep it really, really tight in defence, don't concede goals, try and hold them to 12, 13 points, which we felt we could. And if we could do that, if we'd done that, that I felt if we robbed the goal, the confidence that would give us that we might get 9 or 10 points. And if we got a second goal, because we're good at taking goals and we're fairly powerful up front, and, uh, you know. Was there a shoot on side policy given from you as a director to the players because I think he kicked seven or eight into the hands of Stephen Clutter in the first half alone, some of which had never been attempted. The reason they were dropping short is because they were from impossible angles. But did you guys did you say to the players, look, if you get an opportunity, let fly? Yeah, I did. I asked them to shoot from... They were, I told them they were going to get opportunities from 45, 50 metres, that we weren't going to with playing one man up front, in particular the first 15, 20 minutes. We knew we had to be ultra-defensive to stay in the game because Dublin bury an awful lot of teams in the first 15 minutes minutes, 20 minutes, and we didn't want to be 8, 10 points down with no hope. So we knew if uh, up to 15, 20 minutes we could stay in the game. So we told the guys, uh, if you get the opportunity to kill the ball from 45 metres, 50 metres, have a go. You're hoping they'd be kicking it wide? At, le- at least kill the ball. At least kill the ball. A-, a lot of them are very talented and they can kick scores. So I-, I was happy for them to have a go at it because, like, it was, you know, I think it was 7 3 at half time. Like, if we'd have kicked one or two more of them, like, you know, be- that-, that extra bit of confidence too. And we knew if we could stay within three or four points. Like, you know, we weren't fools going into it that it was going to take a goal or two to give us the edge and them not to score a goal. But you know, kind of, they got two goals very quick, one after the other, and you know. How much did you have to compromise your own philosophy over the last fortnight in a bid to try and come up with a blueprint to try and beat Dublin? Yeah, look, we we were never going to take Dublin on one on one. Um, we had to use this year as a stepping stone to get to a level, and then we got to a really top level that we were happy with. That, and then we said, right, how can we give ourselves a chance here? You know, and we felt by being defensive like this, if we could hold out without giving a goal away. That was the whole thing. We couldn't give a goal away. We just felt we'd have the belief then and we might be able to carry it through. But when they got two goals and the 10 or 11 points at the time, you know, all of a sudden it was 16. To try and redirect everything for us to get up to 16 points, you know, we'd want to be getting three or four goals and that wasn't going to happen. Look, we've said this before, they can only do what they can do and mm. beat who they need to beat in Leinster. You know, it's not their fault. They're coming up against Westmead today, you know, whoever else, who, who, you know, they're just at a different level in Leinster at the moment, okay? So, you're playing, they're, they're beating teams, could they have gone if they wanted to get another couple of goals? They probably could have. You mm. know, they could have got another two or three goals, you know, if they were under pressure. But, of course, this is where the, 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 the real championship for them, unfortunately, starts in a couple of weeks. And if it's Cork or Kerry, well, then the intensity is massively lifted. Um, but they know that. You know, they actually know that. I'd say if we were to talk to every Dublin player and talk to the management, they won't admit it to you. But they'll, they'll know that, look, we're now peaking. Genuinely, they are peaking for late July, early August. Uh, because... Leinster is literally such a cakewalk for them now at the moment that that's all they have to focus on. That's what they have to get right for. Um, and 
yes the intensity levels will be lifted they won't be able to be as sloppy uh, definitely against a Cork or Kerry situation but they've worked out a couple of things they've set up slightly different as we said before with Keno Sullivan the discipline factor is a big thing but there's a big difference of having discipline when you're 8 and 9 10 points up mm. or when you're in the melting pot and there's a point or two in it and, and, and things are really starting to heat up on the pitch and you have a fella hitting you or jawing at you or whatever it is going on and there's just that level of intensity that, that's only when a player really gets you can't you can't look at this Dublin team and kind of go well we, we, we really analyse them because there's nothing to analyse yeah analysing Dublin's just getting boring there's no two ways uh, today at least uh, Westmead threw an extra you know layer into it that Dublin had to cope with a very defensive system um, like I'd say Jim Gavin would be delighted with where Westmead set up today because it, it prepares them for what they might have to face later in mm. the year and Dublin certainly looked like they had been working on it you know they're clearly trying to switch the play drag the sweepers in different directions the only thing you'd be disappointed in is that you know Connolly wasn't clearly the man that Connolly scored a few points but it seemed to just come to him by chance it's not like he was being set up you know maybe in the pocket or something yeah. that he was like you'd like to see something like that maybe but Dublin were clever enough with the ball 2-13 like and, and you know, when Jack McCaffrey got the goal, even when Berner got the goal, like I said, the game was over. So anything after those two goals is very hard to read anything into it because it was just a procession at that stage. But eight points, Westmead were very spirited in the first half. Eight points against, uh, you know, at times 14 men behind the ball. I think Dublin would be reasonably happy. This is the rewind, and that was Anthony Moyles and Colin Parkinson on Dublin and the step up in opponent they face in the All Ireland quarterfinals. So we know one of the provincial champions for 2015 in football and we should find out the other three next weekend. On Saturday at 7, join Off the Ball for live and exclusive national commentary of Kerry and Cork in the Munster final replay, while on Sunday we're in Hyde Park for Sligo against Mayo, while we'll also have coverage of Donegal and Monaghan in Ulster. More on those games to come with Billy Joe Padden and Kevin Cassidy, but first Billy Joe was in Armagh yesterday to watch the Orchard County crash out at the hands of Galway. one twelve, twelve points, the final score. After the game, he spoke to both managers, starting with Armaz Kieran McGinney, who spoke to Gathered Media. There's probably a couple of different things, like sloppy goal, um, you know, giving the ball away cheaply. A few things that's been causing us problems all year. But do you feel you should have had a penalty when Jimmy went down? These things are objective. Like you're not allowed to say anything about referees. So. Kieran, you to look close to your, your ambitions for the year. Where do you think Armagh are right now? How much longer will it take? before we can get back to that. I don't think you can really put time limits on it. You know, you win a game like today, it can springboard you onto different stuff. You lose it, you can set you back. But we're into Division 2, we're going to be playing. Teams like Galway, you know, Drone, we're playing better teams next year. Hopefully we'll help tighten things up a wee bit, get us a wee bit something better, playing at a higher level. But, you know, it's, um, it's a disappointing, but that's what happens in, in the draw. Like, you know, you get two tough teams, you know, one of them has to go out, just us today. Is there any element of the Donegal way the game in between? Was it the disappointment of the Donegal game? Was it fully out of system, do you think, or is that too simplistic? Yeah, it is. Like it just, the same thing is just. We had was it three or four goal chances that day, we didn't take any. You know, they had two half chances, took both. That's the difference between the divisions. Like, uh, like people talk about the quality of players, and there's not a big sort of difference like, in terms of you know, what people can do in the ball, but decision making at, at crucial points is, is sort of the key. Like, and, we're just falling down like badly and those like, no, we're getting the chances but we're not sort of, we're not finishing them. Kevin, first of all, congratulations. Great performance. You were pretty good against Mayo, even better again today. Yeah, I suppose look at it, maybe maybe we didn't score too much towards the end yeah. of the game. Uh, I wouldn't be overly worried about it on yeah. the basis of what I said, you know, it's, it's no disrespect to obviously yeah. that's that's our mass and they were prepared to maybe just sit back and keep it tight, you know. Yeah. I think uh, if we'd a bit more patience. Uh, without trying to force the ball in, maybe in the last 20 minutes. But look, at, at the end of the day, it was about us. We, you know, we probably had six points in the scoreboard, and we're quite happy to, to you know, not that scored. But look, at the performance was was fairly well, it was fairly good. But uh, it's a fair bit to improve on too, you know. Yeah, uh, Jamie Clark was obviously the danger man for our man. He did really well. Uh, you know, Carl Sweeney did really well throughout the game. It was something that he he defended really well, but at the same time counterattacked well on other occasions. Yeah, look at it. Everyone knows Jimmy. Jimmy is a, is a top class player. In, in fairness to, to Cahill over the over, over the last since he's come in the league, you know he's able to hold his own yeah. without without double teaming and stuff yeah. like that. So he has been, he's been known yeah. quite well. And in fairness, maybe once or twice, maybe lost his foot and that happens. Yeah. And, but you know, there was great to see the, the other lads moving in and, and, and the double team at that stage. So look at the. Uh, 
we've a lot to, we've a lot to, to, to go forward we've also a lot to learn yeah but at half time you made a you know a fairly attacking substitution bringing on Cummins but really that purple patch was you know it started around the middle of the field and you've got to be impressed with the way Flynn and O'Connor did in that start of the second half yeah look at uh, I think it probably came in for a bit of unfair criticism after the Mayo game I think maybe if you match the two midfielders up opposite the two midfielders against me on the day but one or two high fetches I think yeah. you'll find that you know there wasn't too much between the two lads I think maybe got, got a bit of unfair flack but you know to be fair you know, these are good midfielders in Armagh and I think they've done well against them today so you know look at we're quite happy where, where the boys are I suppose that's your job to analyse those <laughs> things and if you want to put stuff out in the public but look at we know what's inside in that dressing room and uh, we'll be given the facts and they're, look at they're not going to drop confidence because of what's, what's said about it they're, they're good young lads only 22, 23 and uh, a good young team so look at they're still learning and you still have something to work on because you probably got caught between two schools rather trying to be you know protect what you have and go on and get a few more scores in the last 20 minutes uh, yeah to be fair uh, you know uh, I'm not so sure we got caught between two schools I think I think Armagh would have sat back and sat back a lot and what we have to learn on that is when, they, when someone sits back that far you, you shouldn't be caught in two schools you just hold the ball and, and sit down in the middle circle if you have to do that okay. uh, you know I don't think we needed to be probing and looking for, for points that time I think we were five or six up and I'd be quite happy if the score was 4-3 okay. you know and uh, that's the way it's gone. Uh, so, thanks it. very much. Best luck in the championship. This is the rewind on News Talk, and that was Galway manager Kevin Walsh, and before him, our Ma boss Kieran McGinney on their qualifier at the Athletics Ground. On Saturday in Oma, Tyrone overcame Meath in terrible conditions on a scoreline of 110 to 11 points. After the game, Ushin spoke to Royals boss Mick O'Dowd about defeat and what the future may hold for him. Really well from the Monday night after the West Meath game, and. Uh, yeah. Felt just the work we've been put in, it's too early to be gone. It was a victory, is all we wanted to be there now. It didn't matter how we got it, but that's all we wanted. Just going to have to be ready for... We're obviously going to shut down our full forward line and shut down our forward line as much as we could. And we needed to be ready to do the same as much as we could, so I was happy at half-time, yeah. Um, penalty was the turning point. I didn't see it again. I only saw it in real time and thought the fella travelled too long with it, but, you know. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, I don't know. I suppose the clubs, they decide what happens now, not me really, you know. I've uh, put a huge amount of work into building a new me team and doing it probably without, for two seasons, without our most influential leader, Conor Gillespie, and it's hurt us. I probably wouldn't walk away from this group, you know, but to be honest, it's up to the clubs. It's a frustrating thing, I suppose, maybe not today, because he actually did put in the performance, he actually did have the chances. It's a frustrating thing last week. Ah, that's sport, you know, you had to, we had to deal with that, and we dealt with that by Monday night, you know, and that was parked in, in, in the history books as far as we were concerned. We, this was the All-Ireland Series beginning today, and we, we came here to, um, as I say, to get a win and advance to the next round. We really believed we could do it, and we put ourselves in a good position at half-time to do it. Just didn't drive on, really. You, know. you made a call to kind of go with youth, and that's very admirable in, in some ways. But did you need a bit more experience in the squad? Was that what was missing maybe today and, and, and last week, and maybe even last year as well? Looking at some of the performances, because he came ridiculously close. Uh, I think there's enough experience in this group, you know, as fellas, you know, that have played eight years. There's plenty of lads that have played four years. You know, that's enough. Uh, Lads like Stephen Bray, Mickey Burke, Kevin Riley, Shane O'Rourke. You know, it's enough experience. That's the big, the big blow to us is Conor Gillespie. And you look at any of the top counties and take their most influential player out, and that's what he is for us. So if you take him out of any county, they will, they will struggle. And uh, you know, that's that's the hard thing. And to be honest with you, it's hard for Conor. This is the Rewind and that was Meath manager Mick O'Dowd speaking to Ushin after their defeat in Oma. It was also a bad weekend for Ross Gorman, who lost by one point to Fermanagh while Wexford crashed out at the hands of Derry. So what about next weekend as Sligo meet Mayo and Donegal clash with Monaghan in the Connacht and Ulster finals? We've been looking ahead to both with former Mayo and Armagh player Billy Joe Padden and first ex-Donegal star Kevin Cassidy. Last year Monaghan were disappointed. You know, they're probably going to seek revenge but realistically the, the, those two teams will be wanting to be in the August Bank holiday weekend so that's their target so I think yes definitely the one who won the Ulster final when you're in it but the performance and to keep things going right is more important Donegal in a moment but first Monaghan does it make a difference to them are they less battle hardened than Donegal do they have a disadvantage going in because they had the quote unquote easier side of the draw 
swings and roundabouts really you know people will say yeah you know you you haven't been tested and you know that kind of intensity but you know realistically if you looked at the dairy game that they all played there wasn't terrible intense intensity in that there so you know in, the, in Monaghan maybe we'd be fresher but I think listen both teams have been planning for this both teams know what was coming down the track so their training would be tapered towards that it's going to be tapered to start peaking um, and also final weekend and to kick on from there Donegal have had to peak very early in the league a tough game to start with against Tyrone they won that then they came up against Armagh won it handily now playing Monaghan following a close call against Derry yeah, just looking at them from the outside, I think they've learned from two years ago. They played Tyrone in the, in the first round two years. They put everything they had into that, and their season kind of went downhill from there on. They were up for it against Tyrone. You know, they were excellent against Armagh. They kind of dipped against Derry. You know, I'd be worried if it was up, 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 because you're only going to go with only one way down. So I was happy with the performance against Derry. They did enough to get over the line. And, you know, they had three weeks now to get ready for the final. And as I say, you know, any team with serious ambitions of one Sam now is, is about starting to lift it up the ladder now. What have you liked about Donegal? What have you not liked about Donegal? I suppose they're, the way they can change things about, you know, they're not, I don't think they're, they're as predictable anymore. You know, yes, they're going to be defensive, but I think Rory Gallagher has given them a wee bit more freedom. Um, their attacking options have changed. I don't think the long ball worked the last day against Derry and possibly it might work against Monaghan, but at least it's in the locker for down the line. You can change things about. You know, people don't know whether Michael Murphy's going to be midfield, whether he's going to be centre forward, whether he's going to be centre back. Likewise with Neil Gallagher, he may start full forward. That's a big plus for us, you know, and the likes of Paddy McBride is showing good form. So, you know, we're, we're starting to gel, I think, together, and I think, you know, they're coming at the right time now. I was sitting beside Newly Hughes, the Monaghan legend, for the uh, Ulster semi final against Fermanagh. He said after the game, when Monaghan got a quick down the wings, it really unlocked the Fermanagh defence. Now, you'd expect only goal to be that bit better, but is that the way to go? Can they get success out of that? I mean, is that the way you have to do it against Donegal? Because unless you've got unbelievable long-range kickers that's the only way to do it yeah and if you look at Ulster especially in the last five years Monaghan's the only team who who, who worked the system out they play, they set up similar and they, they attack down the challenge they don't do the stupid thing they don't shoot from crazy angles they don't take it into traffic you know that's if you're playing a blanket defence that's what you want your opposition to do Monaghan are smart they're going to be confident they know that they can match this Donegal team they've done it before so you know the question for me is you know Yes, those are titles on the line, but are Monaghan good enough to kick on a step past that? Because I think that's what they need. What's your prediction? I think it's going to be a tough game, but I think Donegal will be two points. Well, Billy Joe Padden, the Connacht final is upcoming. It's not the pairing we expected. It's Mayo against Sligo. And it's not the venue we expected. It's in Dr. Hyde Park. Yeah, I think, though, that you know, Sligo deserves to be there. They played very well against Roscommon. They were really up for it and played a really nice brand of football and kind of looks like they've adapted their tactics. They got uh, Niall Ewing back from wing forward and played in the half-back line and really Roscommon couldn't deal with it and they, they attacked very intelligently. You know, they mixed up the running game with a couple of long balls into the full forward line where they looked very sharp with Hughes, Kelly and, and Marin was excellent in that game against Roscommon. In terms of the venue, I kind of suppose as Mayo, if you're playing Sligo, you kind of expect that Sligo wouldn't want to go to, wouldn't want to, go to Galway and definitely would want to go to Castle Bar so you know I, I think the Mayo the Mayo players in particular will have the attitude you know we'll play it wherever we have to and we'll go and try and get the job done and uh, it may, may, might be a bit more difficult for some Mayo fans but at the end of the day the Sligo players and the Mayo players will not clear, care where it is it's just about getting that uh, title It's a strange one because at this stage of the championship we're maybe judging teams off a couple of performances good and bad coming into this one we're judging each team off one each yeah and uh, you saw good and bad in, in both those performances I said Sligo were quite impressive against Roscommon even though Roscommon didn't play well it just didn't look like it was one of their days at all whereas Mayo you know they got the job done you know Goey had shown improvement and they were very physical that day and some of the things that Mayo have been working on throughout the league worked pretty well for them um, you know Aidan O'Shea played pretty well at full forward you know caused a lot of hassle and they'll be looking for him to do the same thing again I think that Mayo were weak at last year was around the middle of the field and it's a tr- traditional strength of this team they will, need, they will see that as an area where they can dominate Sligo Sligo two very young midfielders and then on the other hand, Sligo full forward line played very well the last day. Mayo full back line was all at sea for, for a lot of that game and looked very unsure of what they were doing. So Sligo will be looking at maybe to try and take advantage of that area of the field. So there's a couple of very interesting matchups and it really will come down to, you know, the Mayo full forward, or the Mayo full back line and midfield. And if Mayo can dominate those two areas, they'll win the game. If they can't, Sligo will have a chance.
Romeo too open defensively against Galway and indeed throughout the league. Yeah, I, I think they were in certain games they are, and it's not something that's just a, a case this year. That's it's happened in the past. Um, I suppose looking at this game against Sligo, the Mayo manager have a decision to make. You know, Sligo don't have a big imposing midfield. Mayo were very good at the full, sort of full court press tactic of pressing up. When you do that, you do leave your full back line more uh, exposed for the times that the teams beat the press. So, you know, I expect Mayo to play pressing system to try and really suffocate Sligo. So we mightn't see the full back line with any more protection. So it'll be up to those three guys in the Mayo full back line to mark their men as good as they can and then for the fellas up the field to, to dominate around the middle of the field and the forwards to put that good pressure that they can on to create turnovers and create scores from there. People talking about Sligo and the need to avoid a beating is that how you look at it from the Sligo point of view? I mean, surely you can't go into a provincial final with that mindset. I don't think Sligo have ever, you know, in the last couple of years, Sligo have been in four, I don't know, is it something like four finals in the last ten years? And, you know, that's that's way more successful than they have been throughout their history. I don't think Sligo fear Mayo in, in any way at all. They beat Mayo, I think maybe it was in 2010, 2011 in Mark Fitz Parks. They still have some of them players, Mark Brehany, Marin, them guys there that have experience. They're bringing a couple of younger lads a- along with them. And I don't think Sligo feel that way at all. I think Sligo see this as an opportunity to win the game. They recognise that Mayo are a good team and they recognise that they're going to have to play out of their skin to, to do it. But they look, we'll look at Roscommon. They won that game fairly comfortably. And Roscommon are a good, are, are a good team. Put up to Mayo in the last couple of years. So I don't see that at all. I don't think that'll be in Sligo's mindset at all. I, I, I think Sligo think that will go into that game thinking they have a chance of winning it. What's your prediction? I think Mayo will be too strong for them. I think that Mayo will uh, go back to basics and dominate. Do, do some of the things that they were really good at under James Horn, which was being strong around the middle of the field, winning primary possession, and really a full court press. They are going to put pressure on the Sligo kickout. If Sligo try to go long in the middle of the field, you'd have a lot of Mayo big men putting pressure on it. If Sligo short, you'd have the likes of Killian O'Connor, you know, J- J- Jason Doherty, Kevin McLaughlin pushing up. They're great tacklers for forwards, putting pressure on, creating turnovers and trying to create scores there. This is the Rewind and that was Billy Joe Padden and before him Kevin Cassidy on the Connaughton Ulster Finals next Sunday. Don't forget we've got coverage of both on Off the Ball with our live commentary coming from Hyde Park. UFC now and Conor McGregor's win over the weekend in Las Vegas. MMA journalist and broadcaster Mark O'Toole was in the MGM Grand and he spoke about the McGregor fight afterwards. But first let's remind ourselves of, uh, about how it all unfolded. I'm, I'm overwhelmed, you know, it was a lot of work to get here. A lot of ups and downs, in it, not only in my whole career, but just in, even in this whole process of throughout the World Tour, after the World Tour, the build-up, the change of opponent, all of the media obligations. It's been a long road, a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication, and I'm just overwhelmed by it all. You know, he's, he's a phenomenal athlete, but he's, I said he's singular in his approach. He, you can't just t- take down is not enough in this business. So I knew I was, I was hurting him on the feet before he scored the takedown. I was hunting him on the mat while he got the takedown. I got back to my feet, the round ended, you know, I knew he was tired. Um, and that's it. I was winning every exchange. Um, so I knew he was breaking bit by bit. I, I figured it would happen like that, you know. It would be up, it would be down, but I would be on uh, getting the better of the exchanges. And the exchanges I knew I'd hurt him bad. And, um, and that was it, I, I put him away. It was, it's been a weird occasion for me, you know. I don't think they... Ha- you know, there's the people are saying they hate me and that there's a lot of bad blood. But I don't, I don't personally, I don't, I don't, I don't think there is. I think there's silent mutual respect. It was just the way, the way it all shaped up that he he stepped in and then it was there was a lot of talking. He was trying to get into my head, I was trying to get into his head. It was just, but I, I respect him. He stepped up. He showed up. You know, you have to respect that. So, yeah. Um, I have respect for him. He came to fight and he, he fought. Look at the clock closely. Ten seconds. Oh, Could he finish him here? here it's it. all over. Connor McGregor wow. is a UFC wow. interim featherweight champion. Wow. Wow. The Marco Tool MMA broadcaster and journalist. You were at the MGM Grand Tell. The Rewind, what it was like to watch Conor McGregor become interim world champion. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of special moments in, in Irish sport, and I know uh, the UFC hasn't been to everyone's taste, but I think last night uh, kind of captured the imagination of a nation because Conor did uh, back up what he was going to do again and again against an opponent, but there can be 
no doubts about his uh, credibility. He was an NCAA wrestler, apparently the kryptonite uh, to Connor. And uh, in spite of Chad Mendes having a lot of really good exchanges on the ground in terms of taking Connor down, uh, Connor uh, came back and won in spectacular fashion with a brilliant knockout. Uh, and I think what was even more important for this victory in the general public consciousness is it's the first time we've seen Connor not look like uh, Superman in the octagon. It's the first time that he was humanized, perhaps to a more general audience, and people saw him overcome adversity. Um, and as a result, I think can relate to him a little bit more now. And you saw afterwards the, the outpouring of emotion from the Irish fans and from, and from Connor himself um, post the fight. And I think that made it pretty relatable to everyone. So um, a pretty special scenes here in Vegas. The crowd were overwhelmingly Irish. Uh, I mean, they, uh, the walkout entrance for Chad Mendes. Uh, they had uh, Sinead O'Connor obviously sung out Conor McGregor last night. Uh, they had a singer singing out uh, Chad Mendes' fight song too. Uh, the Irish crowd drowned that out with cheers of ole, ole, ole. Um, so the, as a cultural phenomenon too, the Irish took over uh, Las Vegas uh, yesterday. It was a fantastic occasion. But look, talk to me about the bout itself because Mendes did trap McGregor on the ground. He did get him where he wanted to, but McGregor always looked comfortable. He was mouthing throughout and he was able to slip out of it. How did he do that and how important was that? Um, it was pretty important that he did that. I think if you look at uh, the couple of rounds, I'd probably say the judges would have favoured uh, Chad Mendes in the first round, and probably for the majority of the second too. At the same time, the first round was pretty competitive. Connor was uh, picking Chad Mendes off with a lot of shots, um, a, a lot of really good uh, straights. His leg kicks were finding a home, a home too. But Chad Mendes took him down three times, and that would usually mean that there uh, the uh, judges uh, at Octagon side would probably score the round towards uh, Mendes. Uh, in spite of that, Connor came out. He kept talking. Uh, he, uh, you know, kept showboating, saying, "You haven't phased me." And uh, and then in the second round, Connor was taken down. He was uh, pretty much dominated for uh, for the last couple of minutes of the round when he was taken down. Uh, Chad Mendes went for a submission, and uh, Connor wriggled out. He escaped. He uh, got up and. Uh, just hit him with, you know, a beautiful left and just uh, finished the fight in spectacular fashion because nobody in that division has his knockout power. I mean, he's completely booked the trend in terms of fights in the featherweight division in terms of uh, knocking people out. A lot of fights previous to Conor McGregor um, being in the division would have been decisions. And now there's been a curve of knockouts purely as a result of Conor. And the UFC find that exciting. Um, I mean, Chad Mendes also remarked that I hit him with some elbows on the ground and he kept talking to me saying, is that all you've got? So Chad, specifically after the fight, and there was a lot of respect. And uh, I think Chad was pretty uh, magnanimous in, in defeat. He said, I hit him with my best. and He kept talking to me and he's a tough guy and he's legit. His striking was what won him this bout. I mean, you'd know he had trained with boxers and high-level boxers. Because that combo, that final knockout, that was a thing of beauty. If we saw that in a world title fight in boxing, we'd all, we'd all be raving about it. Yeah, like, I mean, the X Factor and Connor's original base, uh, like when he was growing up and training, was uh, striking. He was, He's a superb striker. He's uh, amongst the best in the division. But Chad Mendes is also a pretty good striker uh, for that division and hit Connor a couple of times. Um, so was the difference then the fact that McGregor had him reach-wise? Was that the difference? Well, there certainly was a size difference, and uh, I would say that would be the case. But in spite of the reach, in spite of the height difference, like I mean, there was an eight-inch reach advantage uh, to Connor last night, and he was also uh, considerably taller uh, than Chad Mendes. Chad Mendes, it didn't really come in, in as much as a factor because I would have thought the reach could have kept Chad away from the takedowns. But um, but Connor, uh, but. Connor was taken down on multiple occasions in the fight. I suppose when you ask, was it Connor striking that won it for him? No, I think it was in his mentality and um, his uh, abilities to stand up to the pressure Chad Mendes put him under and uh, still get up and still fight, uh, still come from 
what could have been from behind to win. So it was more a mixture of his mentality and his resilience because Connor took a few heavy shots in that fight. So if he just had striking, he probably would have, wouldn't have won that fight. But he had resilience, he had striking, and he also had a supreme mentality uh, that just uh, helped him uh, through that fight and through victory to become uh, the interim federate uh, champion. What next for McGregor? Because there is talk that he will fight... Aldo on the 2nd of January back at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. But is it possible he could fight before that? Uh, he has been publicly saying he wants to be on the Dublin card in October in uh, the Tree Arena. Um, speaking to a couple of UFC officials, speaking to um, a couple of people very close and high up in uh, Connor's uh, camp, uh, even just a few minutes ago, and to John Kavanagh, I think it's probably unlikely. Connor wants it. He definitely wants to fight in the Dublin card. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I was talking to John Kavanagh for, for a short bit today. I met him outside of Starbucks here in the MGM Grand, and he said Connor would fight on the Glasgow card next week if he got. Yeah. An opportunity. That's but this is the, the thing: is it about the UFC holding Conor back? I mean, they presumably won't want Conor to fight before the Aldo fight because you know what if he loses? What if something goes wrong? It, I mean, this is going to be a huge deal not only for Conor this fight, not only for his Irish fans, but the UFC itself. This is just such a, a massive fight, and they want they won't want anything to risk that or distract from it. I was speaking to a UFC official on uh, Friday uh, before the fight and he's high up in their marketing division and they spent their biggest marketing budget on promoting uh, Jose Aldo versus Conor McGregor. Uh, Dana White uh, got the entire UFC staff when Aldo pulled out, was legitimately out of it and said, this is still going to be a massive card for us. It's going to be one of our biggest ever. I think looking at the pay-per-view wise now, it was quite a big fight, but no matter how big this beam, the Conor McGregor and Chad Mendes fight, the Jose Aldo fight is going to be one of the biggest fights in UFC featherweight history, and they are not going to risk that. Conor, even last night, was saying, I'd like to fight again, but I need to think and see what happens. Uh, I think the dust is still settling, but I don't think we'd see Conor on a Dublin card uh, just yet. I think the Aldo business has got to be finished first, um, and that will be ne- up next. Uh, so I don't think we'll see Conor McGregor uh, in the octagon in Dublin, but uh, we will probably see him against Jose Aldo next, and they're not going to risk that cash cow. It would be great spending New Year in Vegas, wouldn't it? No doubt you'll be back there. Come here, just before I let you go, Cahill Pendred, not a good night for him, unfortunately. Well, there was a, a lot of other Irish interest uh, on the card. Uh, Cahill Pendred, of course, uh, lost against John Howard, who was uh, the toughest opponent he has faced in his career. And Cahill, even when he was fighting in Cage Warriors, the Europe's largest promotion, um, he... Uh, he always eked out decisions, and uh, sometimes if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. And last night he lost 29-28, uh, uh, split decision to uh, John Howard, and it's just the way it happens. Uh, Cottle still had a remarkable year. He's gone 4-1 and one in his debut year in the UFC. A uh, few people take five fights in a year, and Cottle did that. Um, I'm sure he'll be back. He'll probably be on the Dublin card. Uh, also fighting on the preliminaries last night was Neil Siri, uh, who, in a really competitive fight, lost a uh, unanimous decision. Uh, but it was a pretty, uh, it was a pretty exciting fight. I think uh, Neil Siri hasn't done himself uh, any harm in terms of putting on another exciting show. And then on the main card, Gunnar Nelson uh, from Iceland, but not honorary Irishman, trained uh, under John Cavanaugh in SBG, his teammates with Connor, uh, with Cahill, uh, put on a superb performance against uh, Brandon Thatch in the welterweight division. Uh, Thatch was uh, known, they built this up to be a striker versus a grappling uh, match, and uh, Gunnar Nelson beat him uh, as the grappler through brilliant striking. So that's got great implications for him, and he's now going to move towards the top 15 uh, in the welterweight division, and uh, hopefully, probably in 2016, be able to maneuver himself uh, towards um, a, a title opportunity or a contendership, because he certainly has the potential. Okay, thanks for joining us from Las Vegas. Mark O'Toole. No problem, Mushin. Thank you very much. That was Mark O'Toole on Conor McGregor, and that's it for this week's Rewind. We'll be back next week. The Monday Rewind.